0: No, from generation to generation, people have gathered together for Christmas. You may not know this. The reason why we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December is not because of some pagan holiday, and that's a a popular meme that goes around. It's not true. It was thought in the early church that Christ was, Christ died, um, that Christ, uh, died on the day he was conceived. So then they did the math from um, of the Passover, of when Jesus, when they thought he was, um, when they thought he was conceived, to when he was born, which happens to be December twenty fifth in our Gregorian calendars. Generation to generation has gathered together um, to celebrate Christmas, but you wonder how much of the Christ in Christmas gets left out. He is the King. Jesus is the King of all time, of all generations. He is the one who wears the crown. The first week of Advent, I shared with you the crowns Jesus has and the crowns he gives. And the crowns he gives are the crowns we lay at his feet in worship. He is the promised king. The second week, we looked at the song of the father of John the Baptist that remembered all the promises God had spoken to his people for a future king, this King Jesus, the promised king. The third week of Advent, I shared with you about the Magi, the Kingmakers, looking for the one who would be born King, and that is what the theme here is: born a child, but yet a King. Not to forget the Christ of Christmas. Today we look at Him who was born King, and we look at His final message. This morning, before we gather to worship, something happened in England that hasn't happened in in a quite a long time. See. For the past, I don't know how many years, it was the Queen's Christmas message. Because Queen Elizabeth obviously had no husband, so she gave the Christmas message. But today, this morning, before you got here, Charles III gave his King's Christmas message. It's a tradition that goes back in England on since 1932. This morning, they turned on their tellies and got to hear from their new monarch, who has no authority, no power and it's just a symbol. The first one was in 1932 by King uh, George V via the British Broadcasting Corporation's Empire Services. So as I was developing this message here, my question was, as I was going through this about Jesus born a child, but yet a king, he's king forever, what was Jesus's final words to us in the scripture? The final authoritative words we have for us in this time in history, we find those not at his ascension. No, we have to go all the way back. If you have your Bibles today, turn to the very end, to chapter 22. If you have a Bible that has Jesus' words in red, you will notice in chapter 22, you have three splotches of red. Red. The first one in verse 7, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy. What is the final thing Jesus said in the Bible? It's not the Great Commission. It was the words spoken to John at the end of the revelation that was given to him. The book of Revelation, first of all, starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ. We get so caught up in the Antichrist and the plagues and the seals and all of these things which are important. But you know what it's primarily about? Jesus. It tells us about Jesus. It is the final revelation of Jesus Christ. And it contains within it the final message he had for us today. This message is enduring. It's authoritative. It is binding. You have that first splotch, the next Three splotches of red, I don't know how else to call them, is what my message is going to be about today. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, starting in verses 12 through verse 20. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates outside our dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. which are described in this book. He who testified these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the word of God. I don't know what Charles III, or is that what he's called, Charles Third. I don't know what his Christmas message was today. I was going to quickly listen to it while I was up on stage and realize quickly I did not have time to. I don't know if he said, you know, we need to focus on Christ during this Christmas or if he had some worldly, secular message. But I know what our king's message to us this Christmas is. Come. I am coming and you need to come. Let the one who is thirsty come and drink from the waters of of eternal life. The final message of our king is this. The eternal son born king says come. This in essence is what revelation is about. The king is coming. Find him first. His arms are open wide to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We've been that was from John 1:12. 1, 1 John 1:12. 1, Next week we will go back into the into the letter of 1 John. And it is a great reminder of us that that is the king's message to us. Come. All who are weary, all who are thirsty, come, for he is coming soon. The season of Advent, we just walked through that this year. Advent means coming. It comes from the Latin, which is Adventus, which means coming. And it was a great desire of all the nations, of all the people, whoever cried out, save us, is that he is coming. The first Advent, he was born a child, but the second Advent, he's coming as king. But if in the first Advent he, is, he was born king of the Jews. Come thou long expectant Jesus. And from the wise men who are searching, they, they were searching for the one who would be born king. Throughout all time, people were waiting for his coming. That was the first advent. We are now in the second advent, in which we await his second coming. You may not know this, but many Christmas hymns are not so much about the first advent, but about the second Advent. The one we sing today, Come Thou Long Expectant Jesus. The man who wrote that, Charles Wesley, he was thinking of the second coming as he was seeing the poverty, as he was seeing orphans starving, and all the injustice in this world. Come Thou Long Expectant Jesus. There's another Christmas hymn, also about the second coming. You've heard it many times, and in fact... The, uh, the writer of this, Isaac Watts, he never intended this to be a Christmas hymn. I'll tell you what, how that became a Christmas hymn in a moment. But the hymn goes like this. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. If you read the next couple of verses, it becomes very clear we're talking about the second coming, not the first coming. And the glorious, joyous rapture. You know, there are so many people, when they read the book of Revelation, when they think of the second coming, the second Christmas, they're filled with fear. You shouldn't be. This was the encouragement. When everything falls apart, the people of God are still safe in his hands. When everything is going literally to hell, a lake of fire, God's people are safe in his hands. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. At the first advent, there was not room for Mary and Joseph. At the end, at the second advent, I pray there's room in in your heart for him. At the first advent, he came with peace. And the second advent, he comes with justice. At the end of all things, the scales will be balanced. Either one... at At the first advent, all... All scales will be balanced. In this Christmas message of our king, I'm going to break these different parts down into three different parts here as we go verse by verse through what I've just read. The first being the eternal king is coming. The second, the sovereign king will return. And third, Emmanuel is coming. Oh, nice, water. I was getting along fine with coffee, but water's probably better. By the end of the sermon, I'll probably be pretty jittery if I didn't have water. The eternal king is coming. Verses 12 through 15. You know, I just, it just occurred to me, and I hope you don't mind indulging me, but I didn't have you stand for the reading of God's word before. Would you please stand? I, I'm going to read it again. Sometimes you make a mistake, but it only stays a mistake if you don't correct it. I'm going to correct it this morning. And verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the holy city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take waters of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes, takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy... God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testified these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. In this first section, verses 12 through 15, we see the eternal king is coming. He is coming with justice. In my translation, it says recompense in his hand. Injustice. We live with injustice in this world, and we know it's a terrible thing. We see somebody who is guilty getting away with something. We we get bothered. We wonder, is God unjust? This person is remaining unpunished. Well, set your minds at ease. For the king is coming with recompense in his hands. All scales will be even when he is finished. Either one, that person, I pray it is not you, will pay for their sins in eternity in hell. Or two, their sins will be paid for Christ on the cross. And the God, the Father, God, the just, looks at that and says, satisfied. Injustice will not continue forever. He is coming with recompense in his hand. He describes himself once more as the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and Omega are the two, is the first and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. It's kind of great that it's not written in English, because it doesn't have the same kind of ring as A and Z, or if you're Canadian, A and Z. Alpha and the omega sounds way better. There is no beginning, no end. There was never a time Jesus, God the Son, was not God. There are unfortunately those with very major, huge ministries who get this confused. When I come up here, my first prayer before I come up is, God, let me not forget to tremble before your word. I don't get to be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I tell you. Because you are God's sheep. And he has trusted me to feed you. So let me tell you, he was never not God. He was always the Elf and the Omega. In those swaddling clothes was God himself. He humbled himself. He voluntarily suppressed his godly attributes. But he has always been first and the last. If he was not, he could not say he was the alpha and the Omega. He'd have to put another letter in there. I, was the, I am the Alpha, Delta, and Omega. To have a break in there, but there is no beginning, no end. He is the first and the last. He is the eternal son, born a king. This echoes into John 1.1. 1, 1, in Archaeologos, in the beginning was the word. The statement made by Christ here, he was with God in the beginning, and he was and is and always will be the eternal king. In verse 14, we have this verse about those who are outside. Um, but those who are outside the, outside the Lord here in verse 15, sorry. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and adulterers and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. This is not contradicting salvation is by faith and not by works. Because you look at those who, are, who do enter in. What does it say? Blessed are those who wash their robes. Obviously, when you got saved, I didn't give you a robe and say, better keep it clean. Or else you're going to go to hell. You better invest in a lot of Tide Pods. I don't know what to tell you. You know how you wash your spiritual robes? In the blood of Christ. Amen. That is why we're permitted into the kingdom. It is why we're permitted into the holy city. Outside outside are those who... What do we say at the end, see at the end right here? Everyone who loves and practices falsehood. At the end of all things, everyone gets what they want, but not everybody wants what they get. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis from The Great Divorce. That the gates of hell are locked from the inside. That those in hell do not want God. That when everything is stripped away, when it was eventually found, it is those who love and practice falsehood. The king is coming. The sovereign king is going to return. The return of the king. I don't know if Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie. Lord of the Rings... It kind of uh, kind of seems like a Christmas movie because they all came out during Christmas, and they have elves in them. They have a white man who gives people gifts. I go, a go a, a old man with white hair who gives gifts. Uh, an old man with white hair who gives gifts. Not really a Christmas movie at all. The the song "Joy to the World." I was going to tell you why it's a Christmas hymn. It's because it was originally a poem that was then released around Christmas. So people took it as the first advent instead of the second advent. Lord of the Rings shares that same kind of distinction being around that time. I don't know if it's a Christmas movie or not, but just the name of the third the third movie, the third book, Return of the King, it resonates with us because we await the return of our sovereign king. In Arthurian legends, and specifically Mort d'Arthur, Arthur, after a major battle, he is mortally wounded and he is taken away to Avalon. To return when Britain needs him most. Our God is so much better than our fantasies or than our fiction. Because the king went and he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. He has not left us as orphans. He has not told us, just figure it out. No, he has put his spirit into our hearts. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. He returned to the Father but sends the Holy Spirit who takes from our king and gives it to us. His Christmas address is this. The sovereign king is coming soon. He is the root and the descendant of David. The second king of Israel, King David, he was given a promise that his descendant, not descendants, would sit on the throne forever, and that the, his descendants' kingdom would rule and reign, and there would be no end. Son after son, child after child, they were waiting for an heir of David, a son of David, who would fulfill this promise, and all of them were a disappointment, but we, our eternal king, the sovereign king, is going to return. He is the root and the descendant of David. This was something that was kind of complicated. Jesus brought this up in his ministry. He asked the teacher of the law and the Pharisees, he says, why do we say, why do you say that the Messiah is the son of David when David calls him his Lord? And then Jesus answers us that for us all the way in Revelation. you got to wait all the way you get to Revelation. He says, I am the root and the descendant of David. In other words, the creator, the maker, the originator of all life, of all royalty, of all sovereignty is Jesus Christ. And he is coming soon. He is the root and the descendant of David. He also calls himself the morning star. The star of the morning, the sun as it comes up. We forget how terrifying the dark is because we have so many ways of pushing back the darkness. The dark was the prime, primeval fear of mankind until they created, until we created fire. And even then, nighttime was a dangerous time. Now I remember, now obviously I've never lived in those times, I have no concept of that. But I do remember when I was over in Hawaii and I, I was jet-lagged so I woke up crazy early to go for my morning run. And we were like in the middle of the city and nobody was around. So I, which is weird, right? It's like major city. Nobody's around. I'm running. I go to the ocean and, uh, it's, it's, it's black out. And you know something? Things in the dark are kind of frightening when you don't know what they are. So I'm running along and then I'm, I'm on this path, um, that goes along the ocean. And, um, I look down and what looks like to be just like a ton of tarantulas. And I jumped like 10 feet in the air. I may have squeaked, but you weren't there and you don't know. And then the sun came up over the ocean. And I could see it was just crabs. And I was thankful. Because I was like, I didn't know they had tarantulas in Hawaii. And they don't, luckily, just crabs. And they all scurried away. They're a bunch of cowards. Um, He is the bright morning star Jesus says that he is the star of the morning. This is prophesied all the way back in Isaiah. I read that for you last night. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, Those who are living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Can you imagine if you lived your life in darkness? Never seeing color, never seeing anything. And all of a sudden, the light is dawned. The light comes up. That's my story of when I was saved. Not that I lived in literal darkness, but I was living in darkness. I thought I was a good person. So many people say that. Yeah, I'm a good person. God wouldn't send me to hell. And then God encountered me one night. And I was praying. and I Because I wanted to do something religious. Because me and my friends had did something I thought was pretty bad. And uh, I was praying to our Father. And I get to the part, forgive us our trespasses. And the Holy Spirit stops me. And he speaks to my heart in words that are not in human language. Of where I would go if I died. And I tried to say, well, I'm a good person. I never did anything wrong, and I, I knew better. I'm like, well, nobody knows, but God knows. He started showing me all the things, not from my perspective, because from my perspective, I'm always in the right. I'm never doing anything wrong, or I just had bad influences. No, from his perspective. And I remember that night, like tears running down my face, telling God, if you didn't send me to hell, you'd be, you'd be wrong. And that night, to know the grace and mercy of God, that though I was a sinner, Christ still loved me, forgave me, and welcomed me into his family. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This king is coming soon. This king is coming soon. Joy to the world. Come to King Jesus for those who are thirsty. Are you thirsty? If you know the Lord, have you forgotten how sweet the waters of living, the living waters of life are? Have you let all the pressure, all the anxiety, all the sorrows of life make you forget that he That the waters of Christ are sweet. Let those who are thirsty come. In response to the declaration of our king coming back, the spirit and the bride say come. Those who hear say come. And to the one who is thirsty, you come to the king. Have you forgotten how sweet the waters are? You know the compound name for God, Yahweh Roteh, which means God is our healer. It comes from a time in Israel's history where nobody was physically healed. They came to these waters and they were thirsty and the waters were bitter. They called them the waters of Mara. And the Lord told them to take a branch to put it into the waters and the waters became sweet and they called him Yahweh Rophe, the one who heals us, the God who heals because he takes what is bitter and he makes it sweet. I don't know where you're at this Christmas season. If all the bitterness of life are choking you, of any joy that you may have, I tell you today, he is still Yahweh, Rofe, the God who heals us, the God who heals our hearts, our spirits. He makes what is bitter into what is sweet. So those who are thirsty, come. And if you've forgotten the sweet waters, come again and taste. And Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol the main character Scrooge he has his visitations and after the last visitation he believes that there is no hope and then he wakes from this visitation to realize it's christmas morning and every movie every play i love the guy who plays scrooge because there's such joy he's like it's not too late and he go, he opens up the window and he sees a boy out there his boy what day is it oh it's it's christmas huh? sir <laughs> It's not too late. He, he thought the grave would swallow him whole. And that all he had in his life, all to show for it, was misery and pain. We were watching a Muppet Christmas carol the other day, me and Becca. By the way, we watched all the Christmas carols during Christmas. It's one of my favorite stories any time of the year. We're watching. I told Becca, you know what this is? This is a story about secular salvation. Because the moral of the thing is that he would be more caring, more loving, and that that would give him joy. But I was like, there's so much more than that too. There's joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He believed that the grave would swallow him whole and that all he had to show for his life was misery and pain and the only joy he ever had was at the expense of others. But no, it's not too late. Scrooge had to be convinced of, his sinfulness of si- the sinfulness of his sin before he could accept anything amounting to grace. It is the same for us. To the one who is proud, they get law. They hear about the recompense in his hand. But to the humble, they hear the one who, whose arms are open wide. For the thirsty to come and drink from the waters of li- living. What blessing to know that all who are thirsty can come. That it is not too late for you. It is not too late for that other, that other person. All who are thirsty come. Finally, Emmanuel is is coming. If you had to summarize all of the Bible into one word, what word would you pick? Love, grace, kindness, mercy. This is the word you should pick, Emmanuel, because it means God with us. It is what the angel told to Joseph, behold, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. At the end here, we have a warning not to tamper with God's word. You know why you shouldn't tamper with God's word? Because you are tampering with the only hope of salvation for those who would hear. If you were on a ship, in fact, a good friend of mine, he served in the Navy on a submarine. They weren't hit. There was nothing that happened. It was just a minor accident. But they only had one escape. How much of a villain would be, the, would be the person who tampers with the one escape that you have? The worst type of villain. The person who would sabotage the, the navigation or whatever would be less than the person who sabotages the one hope of salvation. My friend who was on that, on that submarine, just a minor electrical problem, everybody besides 20 die because there was only one hope of salvation. There was no other way to get out. So it might seem harsh, Do not tamper with the Bible. Do not add. Do not subtract. But it is our only hope. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Right here in verse 20, we have the very last words in red. The last words in the red in your Bible, in our Bibles, are the last words of Christ here. Surely I am coming soon. That's our King's Christmas message. Surely I am coming soon. I talked about Scrooge in a Christmas carol. There is a paragraph in the play, in the movies or whatever have you, that Scrooge will say, I don't think I've encountered a Christmas carol where you don't find this phrase in there. When Scrooge finds out he it is Christmas Day, there is still time left, and he and he says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and will try to keep it all all the year. I will live in the past, present, and the future. And the spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. For the one who has seen Jesus Christ, who have tasted of the waters of living, of of life, they say something similar, but it's much different. They would say this. I will honor Christ in my heart. And I will keep him all the year. I will live in the past, present, and future. The Holy Spirit shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons he teaches. For to the one who is thirsty, come and taste the waters of life. I told you my story of when the Lord saved me. The next day I describe it. I don't know how to describe it, so I say it's like I never saw color before and I was seeing color. I was alive and I used to be dead and I didn't even know I was dead. And I was alive and my heart sang this I didn't know the words I didn't read a Christmas carol I didn't care much for literature and stuff when I was a teenager but my heart said I will honor Christ in my heart and keep him all the year I will live in the past present and future the holy spirit shall strive within me I will not shut out the lessons he teaches Is that your heart today Is that is what your heart cries out to taste of the living waters The last verse in the Bible period is the very next verse. It is the end of a prayer. It starts in verse 20. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Worship team, would you come up and play our last song for us? I'll end with a special Christmas blessing. And have a fantastic day in the Lord. Love each other as Christ has loved you. Forgive whatever grievances. For the love of Christ has been shed abroad. This Christmas, remember the King's Christmas message to you. Come, come into his family.